Dady Lady, the book club of love. Actual episode. Hey Vera Elizabeth. Hey Vera. Hey Vera. Hey Vera Elizabeth. Hey Pete Fox and Barbara. It's DJ Bab D. That was my DJ name from sixth grade, seventh grade. What was mine? Let's see. MCM. DJ Bab D and. I think it was Vera Elizabeth. What was my name? Vera. I don't know. Let's spend the whole. Vera, amazing person. Okay. okay. All right. Twin sights from last episode. Um, <laughs> I got the shortest one. Okay. Let's hear it. The sh- the, and I got a couple, but the very short one is, I hope it was clear that there's no causation between vaccines and autism. Did oh. I, did I not make that clear? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. What's your twin sight? Wait, hold on. I'm, you can't just drop a bomb like that. The doctor who said that vaccinations cause autism was totally outed as a quack. And you're just going to tell me that it's not true? Look, I went to toilet you on this one. All right, let's do another twin site. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But back to how insane it was to be at the hospital with the triplets. I think there's one thing that really stood out as the hardest moment when I really realized just how insane my life there was. I was on this like 24 hour schedule where I would try and breastfeed these tiny babies. Mm-hmm. For, for people that don't know about nursing babies, like your body like just goes crazy in the beginning and a lot of moms can't do it and there's a lot of stigma and I was being told constantly by the nurses, you know, I have to do this and the baby's heads were so tiny and just felt like I was like torturing them. So I'd try for an hour, come back to my room, pump, maybe sleep, maybe shower. I did this on three hour cycles and then I'd go back and do it for the next baby and I did this, like I would get six hours of sleep a night and the shower was cold and I was alone and I was only eating hospital food. And But the lowest point for me, aside from one time when I was, um, it was like midnight, I was leaving after holding a baby for an hour and I just glanced over at the next child I was supposed to see and there's like a bunch of doctors surrounding the um, incubator. The incubator. And I was like, oh, I guess she's taken care of. I'll come back um, in an hour. I'll come back in two hours, whatever. I'll get two hours of sleep. Um, and I can sleep till six in the morning when I got a phone call from one of the nurses saying, your daughter had a very rough night. Do you want to come and hug her? <laughs> you were supposed to be here. <laughs> it's like, I, I tried so hard. I was still a bad mom. The, the other lowest point for me when, was when I was trying desperately to figure out how to nurse these children. Like looking up videos on YouTube and stuff. Like there was one video I was watching where it was like just a woman like producing milk. What do you call it? Like squeezing and... Expressing. Expressing milk and stuff. And it was like, it was the only video I could really find that was like, she was actually like accomplishing it. And I was watching it and then it like kept going. And it was just, it was really just, I realized it was just two giant boobs and like a lady squeezing them. Like you couldn't see your face and stuff. And I mean, I watched like for a good five minutes trying to figure out like when the information was going to (laughs) come. And then I was like, oh, this is a fetish video. (laughs) What? <laughs> it said it was going to help me. It's just a fish video. Um, okay, insight. Back to you. I was going to talk a little bit more about panic attacks. Oh, yes. I've had a couple in my life. I was cleaning out my father's house after he'd passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of stuff in the house. Mm-hmm. 
I spent every single weekend for like a couple months and it was absolute hell because he wasn't here, but all his junk was. And I, there was one room that I had started with that was like floor to ceiling boxes. And it wasn't just his stuff. It was our stuff. It was everything. It was, you know, whatever. His mom's stuff. Um, I made really good progress on this one room and then I got to the very back and I stuck my hand behind a box and I did, I stuck it into a bird skeleton. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> a baby bird skeleton oh just gosh. a bird who had oh. died and was a skeleton and i brushed that off uh-huh. and then i went and moved i don't know like a trunk that was probably 100 pounds you know my my weight yeah and um that was fine and then i felt a pain in my chest like i'd never felt before and i thought you know what i think i'm having a heart attack so I called 911 and I went outside and I felt stupid, but I sat down and waited for an ambulance and uh, they came and put electrodes all over me mm-hmm. and said, um, you're probably, it's probably not a heart attack. It's probably a panic attack. And I said, okay. Yeah. And then a couple of years later, I had heard about a friend who had had a stroke. So I, st- I was thinking about strokes at my desk at work. And then I thought, am I, am I having a stroke? <laughs> How could you not be? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. That doesn't... Am, but am I? Because <laughs> my arms feel a little weird. So I got up and, and walked around the, the parking lot and I went, you know, you are, you are not having a stroke. This is, this is the power of suggestion. You're fine. So I went back and sat at my desk and then, um, then both my arms felt numb. And I thought, oh my God, I'm having a stroke. They, and, and they tell women, like my, my husband, my mother-in-law, she actually had a stroke in bed, but she didn't want to wake up her husband. So she just kept it quiet. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking, no, I don't want to do that. So I got up and I went down to uh, the HR dude and I said, I, I think, I don't know who's back talking about, but I think I might. And so he called 911 and I laid down and um, they came with a stretcher into my place of work. Oh my God. During the day. During the day. And they put electrodes on me and asked me a lot of questions. And at the end of that, they said... Yeah, I think I think what is happening is that you're having a panic attack. Anyway, okay. Oh. And this, this they they wheeled the stretcher out, and I I had to leave that office. I'm like, hey, yeah, yeah, guys, yeah. What, oh, what was that? What, what was that all about? Huh? That's weird. Um, but my friend who worked there, who also happened to own the company, Shannon, she sat with me, and then afterward, she said, hey, let's just go get lunch. And I grabbed my purse, and we walked through Hollywood and got some sushi, and then we sat in a park and ate it and talked, and it was uh-huh. a really wonderful moment. And uh, hey, Shannon, thank you for not making me feel like a fucking idiot, you know? Yeah. So as embarrassing as that is, I, I do want to say that that's what a panic attack is. Adrenaline goes through your body. It, your body goes into this survival mode where it makes your limbs numb. Mm-hmm. You literally have these symptoms. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to tell apart from panic attack. And there's a loop. I just read about this loop where it's like the more you are worried about this, the more your body's going to respond to it, the more you're going to have the physical symptoms of mm-hmm. like a heart attack or, or a stroke or something like that. So I'm not, I'm definitely not saying don't call 911 because, hey, I did it twice. I, it was the same result both times, but I'm alive. Everything's yeah. fine. So please, and especially women who are told to like, you know, walk it off. You've been told your whole life, uh, walk off your five days of menstrual pain every year. Don't wake up your husband when you're stroking out in bed. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and call 911. Totally call 911. Hey, you're paying for it with your fucking taxes. You are. Yeah. And I didn't get a bill for it, just so you know. No, um, you don't get a bill for 911. You get a bill for the ambulance. Yeah. Well. Which I did. <laughs> <laughs> How much was, was your track? bill? 
What was your six hundred dollars? Six hundred bucks. Not to scare anyone. Look, Dady Ladies will start a GoFundMe for anybody who needs to call an ambulance because they think they're dying. Right? Yes, well, we will for one for at least one person. For one for the first so the, per, the, for lucky. the first lucky person. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll figure out how to cover you, and you can take that to the bank <laughs> eventually. <laughs> All right. Any more twin sites? That was great. Oh, I've already realized that I've fucked up so many times with information that I shared about autism. Rad. A better term would be autism acceptance month. I still think it's a great time to set aside just to learn about it because so many people are autistic. I, know, I learned something else, which is I've I, a lot of information I've gotten has been from this BBC podcast called 1800 Seconds on Autism. And the two people who host it have said that they like to be called someone with autism. I've learned since that a lot of people like to be called autistic instead of, and, and ASD, it's not a disorder. It's just a, per, you know, it's just part of a genetic part of your life. And so anyway, feel free to yell at me again. I'm still learning. And I know a lot of autistic people have different thoughts on this. So there. Oh, oh. <clears throat> one more? We got time for one more? We got time for one more. Okay. We did get some feedback on dick pics uh, from two of our listeners. JB wrote in, I listen to these PCasts late at night at the edge of dreams, which is a really good time to be That's listening really to beautiful. podcasts. Yeah. Our podcast, sorry. But if B responded to someone who said up front that they were looking for a third member for their threesome, she should not be the least bit surprised to receive a D-pick. That's pretty much what it would be all about. They're not looking for long walks at sunset. They're looking to... Wait, but did you say you were down for a threesome or that was kind of, they kind of let you know and then the natural progression was. Yeah, she told me what she was looking for and I said, let's continue talking. Okay, okay. And then. Good to know. Good to know. Thank you. But then we have a woman's perspective. This is from JS. That's Jamie. (laughs) We interviewed her before. She says, she's got a good story for me, so I'll have to follow up with that. But she also says, Barbara, I'd be happy to talk with you about my complex experience and feelings having received a dick pic from someone. I love the story, but only because it's so ridiculous that it helps me separate myself from the fact that I explicitly did not consent to seeing what must have been the worst dick pic I've ever seen in my life. Can't wait to hear about it. (laughs) Um, By asking for them, Sheila was leaving the role of consenting to the dick picker. Which is my new favorite word, I guess. <laughs> and she had already encouraged that behavior as a dick picky. <laughs> I believe it's dick picky, but I'm having fun with it. Your situation with this couple was obviously different. I'm with V. So two very different takes on mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's chew on that for a bit. Okay. So let's do this book now. Here we go. Here we go. Got to go do my dishes. Wait, wait, wait. No, I said it's been really fun chatting with you. I've got I've got to go do my dishes. That's what I'm saying. That's like, what that, those things were both true. It yes. was really fun chatting. I've got to go do my dishes. I think that's perfect. Yeah. It I wasn't would, like I prefer to do my dishes and talk to you. It was just like it, the feeling behind it was I'm going to say this absolutely honest thing in a joyful way because I had a fun time. The guy was cute. We are not a good match. And, you know, and he said enthusiastically said it was fun talking to you, too. And I that like was it. That. I like that. Rather than like. Oh, the doorbell. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I lo- yeah, I love that. I think people should be like that because you guys had a fun interaction that fed your soul a little bit. Yeah. And then you moved on. Exactly. Yeah. So this book is full of things like that. 
Let's do our thing where we kind of go through it. Okay. Um, yeah, I think if you know if if you don't understand what gender fluidity is or what um, being transgender is, I think there's some really great explanations in here with quotes from people that will help you understand. She covers like asexuality, polysexuality, pansexuality, omnisexuality, all with no judgment at all. They're yeah. just like this is the way it works. I'm still reading the foreword. So we often ended up in inappropriate situations because no one had helped us to explore with appropriate understanding the things we needed to know. And I wrote by that high school. Mm -hmm. Um, She describes a current generation that has increased sense of awareness and insight. That's all of us with access to people all over the world. You cannot live with your own perspective anymore, right? Like, you got to try pretty hard. And yeah, believe me, people do. She wrote about domestic violence and abusive and unequal work relationships have led to many feeling powerless and despairing. That's something we can all relate to. Mm-hmm. Coming to terms with the differing ways of being a sexual or non-sexual being with a firm, in parentheses, binary or non-binary gender expression isn't easy for anyone. Yet these are all legitimate expressions of humanity. And I just wrote by that, this did not exist in concept or practice as I was growing up. It was foreign. Yeah. It, oh, I wrote, <laughs> it was as foreign as a picture phone like from Huey, <laughs> was to us as an iPhone, you know, like is to us now. You understand what I'm saying, right? Like I, I we do. could not conceptualize that all those things are legitimate expressions of humanity. I think you would have to be raised with such amazing parents to not at least know in the back of your head that there's like something wrong because that is how society has been designed to oppress each other. Uh, my son last week asked me, if you are lucky to have your gender. And oh, it was an interesting conversation because my immediate take was like, so are you lucky to be boy versus girl? And I had to think about that one for a second because I didn't want to jump down his throat. Like, what are you saying? Girls aren't as good as boys. Girls can do anything. <laughs> like that wasn't, that wasn't what he was asking. And the more we talked about it, we realized some people are lucky for their gender if their gender matches their physicality. Like those people are lucky because they don't have to deal with all the bullshit that comes along with being trans, you know, that we have right now. So that was like we at age seven, we had a conversation about being transgender. Yeah, that would never have come up. I mean, we could barely get past blue could be for a girl. Pink could be for a boy. I mean, people were still fucking dealing with that. I think that you are lucky to be. I mean, I'm not a trans person, so this is going to sound naive. But honestly, I think you are lucky if you have the perspective of both the binary genders. Oh, sure. Yeah. Trans man I worked with was like, we had a big conversation about like pay inequality because when they had started working, they had, they were female presenting and he was having a lot of trouble getting himself out of that pigeonhole. Uh-huh. He was still getting paid less than everybody else. Oh my God. Yeah. That's... Even, yeah. So that, that was a very interesting conversation. On a related topic, I think that people on the spectrum also this will sound naive, not just because of my children are on a specific place on the spectrum, but I think I'm not tooting my own horn. My children are very gifted and many people, maybe every person on the spectrum is extremely gifted because where there might be a deficit, there's a... Look, where they don't make eye contact, uh, they can read at age three. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I mean, to, 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 to give some example, yeah. I think it's a way that brains have developed that science does not understand wholly yet. But, but I mean, if you think that Einstein was just a regular dude who had some good ideas about the world, <laughs> you are sadly mistaken. And I think that probably every genius on Earth could be given the spectrum diagnosis. So bluntness is a gift. 
alternate perspective is a gift. The way you relate to other people, the way you express neurodiversity, which I know that's not the correct term. I was just schooled on that recently and I cannot remember what the correct term is, but that's a gift. Yeah. So, yeah. So those things are related. Um, Yeah. So, okay. So there's this beautiful forward. And then some main points in this book are, you know, how to understand the difference between a good relationship and a bad one, which is the point of our podcast. (laughs) So that's helpful. Do you want to read some of uh, what maybe a bad relationship might be? There's some off the top of my head that she mentions uh, somebody who wants money from you. Yes. (laughs) Somebody uh, who talks to you badly and uses you. Yeah. And there's specifics in here, you know, that if you've ever been in an abusive relationship, you know the kinds of things you tell yourself in order to stay. And your reasoning can get so convoluted. I would think that this book certainly was helpful for me in identifying some past relationships that were abusive because it is so pared down. Like, did they do this thing? Yes, they did. They're abusive, you know? Yeah. Oh, oh. okay. So um, chapter one page 19 overview of relationships and sexuality here's something that stood out sexuality is the word for the category of sexual attraction to which someone belongs people often change their sexuality as they grow up family peer and cultural expectations can affect how people choose to express their sexuality those are facts so that's a real quick chapter then there's two is gender Many people assume babies are either born male or female. This is not actually true. There's a friend of my mom's who's a doctor who told her casually that this is absolutely correct, that doctors make that decision in the operating room, sometimes without consulting parents. That's crazy. On page 22, it's been suggested that a larger percentage of people on the autism spectrum express themselves atypically in terms of gender and sexuality. I wonder if that has anything to do with not being tied to societal norms, you know, being less sensitive to what's expected from you. So you're free to be yourself. Yeah. Um, If you are intersex, there's no shame in this and it is not wrong or bad. Thank you. In some cultures, um, there's a word for a third gender, which is celebrated and honored. Here's something really important on page 25. As long as you behave in a manner that is respectful to yourself and others and legal, your gender and sexuality are nothing to be ashamed of. You do not have to be beautiful to find someone to love or be involved sexually with, nor do you have to be rich. I, I wouldn't even think to whittle it down to those two things. But it's true in many ways. Although films, magazines, and other media imply that there's a standard of beauty to which men and women should aspire, this is not true. And that is changing a little bit, but that certainly wasn't what we grew up with. Oh, there's some stuff on bisexuality. Some people do not believe bisexuality is real and can say things like, they just want to have their cake and eat it. This phrase does not mean anything about cake. (laughs) (laughs) She has one later on about blind dates and she talks, uh, she says (laughs) that everybody can see and it doesn't involve fruit. (laughs) (laughs) Instead, it means that they want to be able to have sexual relationships with both men and women. Some people seem to resent this and can be very unkind to bisexual people. Often people assume that bisexuals have more than one sexual relationship at a time, though this may or may not be the case. I've talked about that. And then there's some stuff on being trans. Um, There's an interview with a a woman named Sue that is very informative. It also made me a little sad, though. I was chased by a lesbian in Christchurch. This is an Australian author, by the way, who wanted to date and got so frightened by my lack of awareness and how to proceed that I refused to answer my phone to her and still wouldn't have a clue. I've only ever had one partner in my life, and I'm not looking for anything new. Less than 10% of transsexuals ever go back to having a sexual partner, apparently. So I knew that I was what I was getting into when I walked out of my marriage. And like many Aspies, I am more comfortable being alone. 
God, I hope I hope that changes. Yeah, I could relate to that though. Like, all what, right, leaving a marriage and not having another relationship ever. I don't know. For me, right now, like having taken time away, seeing what didn't work so clearly, what I don't ever want again. Mm. Maybe I can sum it up like this. Like once you know who you are and you're comfortable with that, why would you want to make yourself uncomfortable again? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, from the perspective of somebody who's been with her husband for 20 years, I mean, I see relationships as a lot of compromise, but I don't know if that if we're talking about the same thing. Not changing, but compromise. I don't know. Compromise, but the amount of work and trust and love that goes into a relationship with somebody where compromise is appropriate, it's it's hard to find people that you can get to that point with. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Types of relationships, coworker or colleague. Okay. So this was an important chapter for me for a couple of reasons. I think maybe you can relate to what I'm about to say. What do you, when you go to work, what do you want? What's the main objective? To make motherfucking money and to advance my career. Okay. Um, so it's not to like stop by a cubicle and um, like uh, just chit chat about like, um, what? Okay. Is it to, all right, hold on. Let me, let me get this straight. Just anything about Star Wars. <laughs> Okay, from my point of view, anything that t- takes away from the actual minutes I'm spending working means that yeah. I'm supposed to be at... I'm real literal with this. I'm at work, so I'm supposed to be working. Like, maybe I'll look up an article or two or something like that. But, like, once I start getting into in-depth conversations about, like, uh, the history of The Simpsons, I, I feel like I've gotten <laughs> off track and I need... Well, I can't go home until I finish my work now and I've just spent 20 minutes. It's not that I'm, like, the man needs my time. It's just, mm-hmm. like, I'm at work and I'm supposed to... You know, I'm supposed to be working and maybe I'll steal a minute here or there, but I'm not going to hold court, you know? Yeah, I do. Or, or I'm not going to, like, take a really loud phone call about, you know, my prescription medicine or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. all right. I usually like to go to work and then work and then come okay, home yeah. because mm-hmm. I also, I have a life outside of work. And I understand, and I'm not saying this, like, in a mean way, but, like, a lot of people don't have a lot outside of work. Their social structure is at work. You know, their acquaintances are at work. Maybe they go home and watch television or something like that and then repeat. So I understand, like, maybe work is more important to you in that aspect than it was to me because work was, like, the thing that I did and then I did all the other things mm-hmm. so anyway many autism spectrum adults go to work to do their jobs and that is all they want to do during working hours hello <laughs> um my lunch hours you know like i would prior to the plague like i would spend them reading books to get ready for the podcast because that was like the main time that i had quiet time you know because from the moment i got up in the morning it's like i had to get my kid ready for school and then i went to work and then i would have an hour at lunch to read my books and then i would come home and it would be taking care of my kid and then because i had to get up so early in the morning i'd be in bed by like literally 9 30 or 10 mm-hmm. maybe earlier so my one hour of solace was my book reading time i understand that that is weird <laughs> Because Pete, well, I don't know, because I mean, like I would pass the lunch benches and people would be like just talking about bullshit. And like, I just couldn't, I don't have an hour for bullshit, but that's not a good attitude. What I just said, that's not, that's not how human beings usually. Why don't you take the judgment out of that? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) They would be talking, they would be, they would be shooting the shit. No, no. I mean, for you. No, I'm judging them. Yeah. Yeah. You're totally judging them. That's fine. Um, No, I shouldn't be judging them. No, judging you though. Like it's not, it's not weird. But what? But I think my life maybe would have. Oh, I don't know. Yes, you would benefit. 
I would benefit from social contact, Mm -hmm. right? Because I was just so focused on like getting my job done and then I'm going to go do the stuff I want to do. And that involves reading so I can prepare for the podcast or whatever. But they ha- she has some uh, hints. She, she talks about navigating um, unpleasant work situations. And she says, um, you could read a book or listen to music at break times and smile and nod at people. So if you're calling it weird that you would rather be by yourself than talk to people, I'm going to guess you're a little bit like me and there's social anxiety. Yeah, there is social associated anxiety. with that. And then, you know, just to be clear to everyone listening, we identify with this book like oh, yeah. a huge amount. Um, I don't know if it's shyness or spectrum. But you know what? I don't care because stuff in this book applies to me. There is a tip if I wanted to appear friendly, Uh and that would be um, looking up from your work and turning your head towards them while smiling if they interrupt your work will help others to decide that you are nice. Yes. I wish I had had that because I thought, well, maybe if I just have my headphones on and pretend that the person isn't there, (laughs) they won't interrupt my work. And then they could just think that I'm just a person who doesn't even see them or that they Maybe they'll question if they exist or if they're a ghost. You know what I mean? Right. So I, what I could have done was just smile and um, they would decide that I'm nice. That just reminded me of yesterday when my kids flushed your books down the toilet. <laughs> or, no, they, that was well, too much effort. Well, they had taken effort. a giant dump on <laughs> yeah. them, so that was appropriate, but yes. But my response to you was sensitive. And I said, you do remember that they have an ASD diagnosis, right? Did you think I'd forgotten? Well, I thought that you were taking it personally. I wasn't, but for people who are not on the spectrum, I, I think it's okay to have a response to somebody telling you that they hate your gift is to is to be a, <laughs> is to is to be taken aback a little bit, and then to go, okay, well they're on the spectrum, so that's now you need now it's on you to accept them for who they are and move on. Well, okay, so here's a little insight into how complicated that is. There are schools of thought around this that it is the person with the diagnosis job to never use that as an excuse. And as a parent, I don't ever want someone to use that as an excuse either. So which is why I think Nanny made a point of telling my son to go apologize to you because... Which he did not. Because he's five. Yes. (laughs) But the reason I mention that now is because I think a lot of why people have difficulty with people on the spectrum is they do take things personally. So I think that was in the forefront of my mind because I've been thinking a lot about this, knowing that we're going to record today. And when you don't look at somebody, like I agree, I would rather just be a neutral body Mm -hmm. at work sometimes. Like I don't engage, I don't not engage. So what I thought would happen was people would assume, and I'm just a nice person. Like I'm not a great person. I'm not an awful person, you know, but that is not the case at all. You need to look at someone and smile and it's not because of you it's because we all have egos if you think back oh, sure yeah yeah it's it's you need to let them know that you are accepting them I guess I'm, I'm all for meeting halfway and I think that's what this book is all about it's letting people who want to learn how to appear a little bit more socially integrated yeah you know and I don't think anybody should use any diagnosis as any excuse to do anything shitty this is coming from our wrestling background, but you cannot make excuses for bad behavior. You can't blame other people. You, yeah. ha- you do have to accept responsibility for that. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't understand it innately. I mean, we find so much of this book so entertaining because we're like, right on, you know, like, you don't want to do something, don't do it, you know. <laughs> Can I read you one of my favorite parts? Yes. Okay, this is still in Types of Relationships, and this is in the Expected Party Behavior section. Oh, yes, yes. Whereas it is perfectly acceptable to leave an autism spectrum party by saying that you are tired and or overwhelmed, and so you need to leave. This is not socially acceptable for most other contexts. In other contexts, it is necessary to have been at the party for at least two hours, and you need to provide a socially acceptable reason to leave, which prevents people from A, thinking you are rude, 
be thinking you are weird. My comment here is, where are these parties and when can I go? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want to go to an autism spectrum party because at regular parties, I've gotten a lot better. You know, like the bathroom is my friend because I can just mm -hmm. go in there for, um, you know, like 10 minutes and just look at the mirror. <laughs> parties are hard. I know. I know. If Patton Oswalt's daughter isn't there... <laughs> And you don't have a John Hamm backup. Like, what are you going to do? Exactly. Please reference our last episode. Yeah, that's really good. It's Hamm on Rye episode. But yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm great at parties where I know everybody and my friends are there. It's wonderful. But I would love to go to a party where I'm just like, I got to go. And I got to go do my dishes. Right? I got to go Am do I my right? dishes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> where you don't have to make some weird excuse. And I, I love that she even says two hours. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, two hours. That's usually I'm looking at my watch going, okay, the first hour's over. But you know, what? actually, if I can make it through the first hour, usually second yeah. hour is kind of fun. And then then you can leave on a high note. Get yeah, get through the two hours. She's oh God, I just remembering a party I went to once when I was feeling super depressed. Oh, that one. Yeah. Oh, God. And then BB just disappeared. That was really hard for me. What was hard that I left that you disappeared? It reminded me of something dad would do. Well, I think there's a reason. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that, speaking of that, I remember um, da uh, our dad, I was hanging out with my dad with some of his friends once. I, I have to like in depth explain what it was like when he was sick. And we used to play with this like, well, okay, a good example of what I'm trying to say is we did um, one of our slap booths mm -hmm. and incorporated him and he played uh, old man using Walker. Yeah. Like it's something we talked about and laughed about. Like he exploited that, you know, we made as much fun as we could from his declining health. Yeah, because he had trouble walking. So we were like, hey, you want to be a part of this act where we slap people across the face? <laughs> yes, I do. He's going to have the walker and he's going to take like 45 minutes to get from the back of the room to the front of the room. <laughs> but then no one really knows what to think because he actually does look old and sick. So like, um, he's not an actor. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's in this weird, like, S&M, but, um, but <laughs> so he couldn't possibly be their father. But it's really innocent. Yeah. But anyway, like, well, so we were at a... And then a, then a woman shows up in a nurse costume that she's borrowed from her daughters. It was our mother. <laughs> yes, actually. <laughs> and she takes him away with a paddle that's actually a pizza board that we've painted. Anyway. So we were at a party and he at one point kind of actually just reminds me of the Jarrett story. He goes, oh, I'm not feeling well. I th can you take me home? And it was kind of like a party in his honor. And so we got in the car, like I helped him into the car and got him all settled. And as we we're driving away, he goes, can we go get coffee? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hated parties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was one interesting and amusing story about the Duffy sisters' late father lying to get out of a party. Thank you for listening to Act Two of The Autism Spectrum Guide to Sexuality and Relationships, Act Two and Week Two of Autism Awareness Month. So much to know, so much to learn. Instagram accounts galore. Why don't you go check out the Autisticats? Duffy Sisters like that account will give you lots of information to make your brain understand maybe people who are not like you good to understand other people 
Is it annoying to you all these references they're making to people and events in other episodes? Well, why don't you go and listen to Act One of this episode on this book and then go and listen to all the other episodes like Ham on Cry, and that's where that John Ham and Pat Oswalt story comes from. As well as some other references they made that I do not recall at this time. Please find them on Instagram. It's at the Boobell Twins, at Dady Ladies. Wherever you listen to your podcast, why don't you go and rate them, subscribe to them, leave them a review, and tell your friends about this podcast. Coming up, Act 3 of this episode on this book. Once again, it is called The Autism Spectrum Guide to Sexuality and Relationships. Thank you for listening. See you next week, which means probably in two weeks. Bye.